Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Carlos, um, getting started on this show, man. This was Tag Team Appreciation Night. Um, and the show started off with a tag team match, the Young Bucks versus the Dark Order, which I thought was a, a great tag team match. What did you think about this one, and what do you think about the Young Bucks getting the victory? You know, I thought this was a very, very good match. I mean, look, you can always count on the Young Bucks on giving us a, a very, very good tag team match. And I think the Dark Art, especially, you know, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are probably two of the best wrestlers as far as tag team wrestling is concerned. And they don't really get a whole lot of love. Whenever I talk, whenever I talk about tag team wrestling as far as AEW, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno's names almost never show up. And I think this was the kind of match that really just you know elevated a lot you know raised a lot of eyebrows and i thought this was an excellent match i thought you know it one thing that i found really funny was and, and the commentary was weird throughout the night they were talking when, whenever the dark order the extras what are the you know the no names uh, dark order guys that no one really cares about show up and kind of start attacking or try to attack the young bucks they would just the commentary would just start talking about oh hey oh man did they didn't. I bet you they didn't expect the Dark Order or anything. It's like, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, it's weird how they're kind of just trying to build up the Dark Order, but at the same time, it just kind of felt a little weird how, you know, that how the Young Bucks were not prepared for what the Dark Order had to, uh, for whatever shenanigans the Dark Order had uh, throughout the night. It was just a little bit weird that the commentary would just feign complete surprise and, and, and ignorance over to oh wow wow what, what are the dark order doing here but you know overall thought this was a great match it was you know i was a little bit surprised that you know the dark order didn't pick, get the victory it would just it just kind of felt like later in the match where they separated the young bucks and it was essentially i think it was matt going up against both evil uno and Stu grayson and and he just it, and he basically just won by himself. He be essentially beat both of them. So, 
I, I thought it was a good match, but I don't know. I, I thought Dark Order deserved to win a little bit more and just kind of keep that ball rolling. Because I thought, I think with what they're doing, especially the stuff that they're doing on BTE, which is simply phenomenal and hilarious, I thought that really deserved the, the win. I, I thought Dark Order needed that a little bit more. The, the Young Bucks, could their, their focus right now is FTR. They didn't really need to get that win uh, on the Dark Order as much as Dark Order needed that win on Young Bucks. Um, Alice, any thoughts on that? Were you able to watch both shows consistently as well? Yeah, okay. I mean, I was able. I was able to just to, to check in, you know, on Young Bucks versus Dark Order. It's it's a good match as, as you would expect from these two teams. Um, I think that the Young Bucks are always going to wind up being one of those teams that, if wins and losses matter, you've got to have the Young Bucks win a, a, a higher number of matches than they lose, even though they're bulletproof and can take the losses. Because if wins and losses matter, you're always going to have them at the top of the division. And if you have them lose matches like this one, if somebody can point to like, well, they're, they've got, they're like, they've won, they're like six and five over the last two months. How are they getting a title shot? Now, in another in another company where wins and losses don't matter, m- maybe it maybe it would be different, and they could take those losses because it wouldn't hurt them. But in this case, if you're going to want to keep them around near the top of the division, and you're going to then they have to win these matches in order to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting because uh, I, I like both y'all's points there. Like, I think that, I think they're clearly building towards the Young Bucks versus FTR. I think that was like even more established tonight with what we'll get to later on uh, with one of the segments. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Carlos. The uh, the Dark Order on being the elite lately, I think has been fantastic. They've been like the MVPs of the, of the whole show lately, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's just weird how on Dynamite they're being portrayed as this super serious dark cult, and then on BTE they're essentially like Saturday morning cartoon villains, like almost I don't want to say like Dungeon of Doom in WCW, but it's it's funny, but it's so different from how they're treated on Dynamite. It's it's a little bit weird sometimes. Like I get a little bit of whiplash. It's like trying to take the same guys that we see on BTE seriously that we see on Dynamite. But I love the Dark Road. I think they're they're great. And again, Alex brings up a good point. Wins and losses matter. Young Bucks probably deserved this and uh, needed this win a little bit more, but I would have loved to see Dark Road pick up the win. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I know we had a couple super chats that I want to get to real quick while we were having kind of those technical difficulties at the beginning. Uh, before, we, uh, before we went live, Dante V says, I guess we're not going to get to those Abaddon vignettes, huh? Um, so yeah, talking Abaddon there. Thanks for the super chat. Uh, Jonathan Hedman says, I may be team JTJ, but FTF got screwed. Um, that is a reference to Sean Ross app FTF. Um, so thank you for the super chat there towards the top of the show as well. Um, we also had one from the line drive says, not sure about AEW, but NXT was all over the place booking wise. And the dream return was a little, oh, sorry, was ill-advised. Um, not good. Had Kushida versus Baylor, uh, sitting there. Yeah, so we'll get to that when we talk about NXT. Thank you, The Lion Drive. We will definitely get into uh, that that main event as well as the return of the Velveteen Dream for sure. Thank you again for that super chat. And I think there was one more uh, to get to here. Evan Wright uh, says, You're awesome, Steven. Carlos and Alex Rule too. Thought AEW rocked hard tonight. Thank you for that, Evan. And uh, and thank you for the compliment and joining us tonight. Very much appreciated. Um, so moving on on, uh, on AEW... 
So we have that great tag team match to start the show off. And the next match we had was Cody and uh, he brought the entire Nightmare family with him, taking on Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship. Of course, that's a brand new title belt that uh, Cody's rocking now, which uh, which I really think is great that they, they redesigned that thing because it did get a lot of flack on the internet when it first debuted. Um, what do you think about this match, Carlos? Do you think this uh, this helped kind of build Scorpio Sky as a singles wrestler here? And uh, what do you think about Cody retaining? You know, I, I'll, be, I'll be up front. I really wanted Scorpio Sky to pick up the win because I think Scorpio is just phenomenal. And I thought I think he really, really deserves it. Especially with, you know, they keep building him up on Dark. And, and, and granted, the... Again, if we're going back to the whole wins the losses matter and taking a more sports oriented approach that AEW says they want to take. I mean, in a sense, yes, Scorpio Sky's record is phenomenal, but at the same time, the level of competition is not exactly, you know, fantastic that, that would deserve, you know, have a Scorpio Sky be in the rankings up until today where they put him at number five. But I thought that the match itself at the start. It was really, really good. And I thought Scorpius Guy and Cody worked really hard. But after a certain point, and it was right after Scorpio kicked out of the first crossroads, the match just kind of just it went flat it, for, for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know if something, you know, something wasn't communicated well or they just, I don't know, the, the ending to that match where it was just, Cody hitting that second crossroads and just almost unceremoniously, he just did it and it was just like a flat one, two, three. And then, then just kind of transitioning over to that, to Brody Lee, essentially telling Cody, you know, that they're going to fight for the TNT title on August 22nd. It would just, you know, it, it, it felt like this was, uh, this match was supposed to be more than what we ultimately got. It, it ended up just being like the setup to Cody versus Brody, which I don't have a problem, but I just wish that, you know, the, the, the finish, uh, you know, if Scorpio wasn't going to win, that at the very least maybe a, a little bit better finish than the flat ending that we got. But, I mean, if we're talking about the in-ring stuff, I liked it. It would just, you know, I would have loved to see Scorpio get the win. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it was interesting, too, because this was the first uh, time in a few weeks that it's been an actual, like, contracted AEW wrestler wrestling for the TNT title as well, which I thought was um, a point to be made as well, because we had, uh, you know, of course, Eddie Kingston had that, that debut that went over really, really well, and then he wound up getting a contract with AEW. We haven't seen him since, but there's a lot of buzz around him. Then, of course, Warhorse... Um, you know, it was great seeing him as well, the IWTV champion. I'm actually wearing an IWTV shirt at the moment. Like, love Warhorse, love seeing him on the show. Um, and I agree with you. The Scorpio match towards the end kind of felt a little flat for me as well. Um, we also hadn't seen the crossroads in a few weeks. He'd been using the figure four, so that was interesting too, the change up there. Um, Alex, any thoughts on, on Cody's uh, kind of ran up to this point in this match here with Scorpio Sky? Or, or any thoughts on Scorpio himself? Well, I, I listen, I, I love Scorpio Sky. I think he's really, really great. I think he's really special. I think he's a future multi-time singles champion in AEW and wherever else he might wind up along the way. Um, dark doesn't matter. They, they, they just told you Dark doesn't matter. He had that amazing run where he won all those matches on Dark. Uh, he had that promo where he's like, I'm kicking down the door. And somebody said this on Twitter. Um, Scorpio Sky kicked down the door and Cody said, that's coming out of your paycheck. 
I think that was our own Jeremy Lambert that said that. Was it? It's fantastic. It's it's absolutely true. <laughs> like like thank you. It's nice that you were able to get yourself over. Um, but back to dark with you, son. Um, and that's it. And it, it it feels it feels like that. And and I think it's in. I think it's intentionally supposed to feel that way. I think we're inching ever closer to Cody Rhodes just pulling pulling the car, being like, "Well, look, I know I'm not supposed to be allowed to challenge for the top title, but I'm like the guy who runs the show, so I gave myself a title shot. You can't do anything about it because I'm Cody Rhodes." And I, I think that I mean, like, there, there's there's going to be a point where. Where he can, he is a, he's working toward that. All of his matches have that moment where he decides to flip a switch and and be kind of the heel at least for a bit. Um, and and he's he's we're getting to that point where he just decides he's the Mister McMahon of AEW. Um, and I think that 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 can really work if they're slow building that point where he where he does that. Um, when the when the turn finally does happen. It's going to be so sweet, but we have to keep in mind if that's the direction they're going, that he's gonna, that we're gonna do stuff like this where Stopio Sky seems to have all the momentum. He's the people's choice. We want to see that, but they're not ready to take that title off of Cody. Not, not the night that they got a brand new title belt. No way. They're not doing that to Cody now. Scorpio Sky may eventually be the one who takes that title off of Cody, but not tonight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, good stuff. Um, we got a super chat just then from NYC Demon Diva, um, friend of the show. It says AEW women are like John Cena. You can't see that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh boy, do I have some thoughts on that when we get later on to the show? Absolutely, good deal. We will get to that. Thank you, Issa, for the super chat. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Alex. I think that Cody, well, he is slow building a really nice heel turn, and I am very much looking forward to seeing seeing how that winds up playing out. So, um, yeah, really good stuff. And Scorpio Sky definitely got a bright future. Um, so, a lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, moving on to the show, we had Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defending the AEW Tag Team titles against the Jurassic Express, the combination of Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. Or, sorry, and Jungle Boy, along with Marco Stunt um, on the outside. Um, this was another, in my opinion, another solid match, um, and another good match to add to the resume of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page's title reign, which I think has been very solid up to this point. Um, Carlos, what did you think about this tag team title defense and Hangman and Kenny retaining the belts here? You know, this was a match where at no point that I ever really thought that, you know, the Hangman and Omega was going to lose it was going to drop the belts to uh, to Jurassic Express. It, it just, I love Jurassic Express. I love Jungle Boy. I think he has a ton of potential. I like Luchasaurus. It just, this was another match where, for a while, it was really, really good. And then up to a certain point, it just didn't click all too well. I, I know there were, there were, part of the story of this match was essentially just the this whole thing between Kenny and Jungle Boy and Marco stunned because this is not the first time where where there's been some some really heated moments between those between those guys, but it just I don't know it for a while for a while we kind of been seeing you know we, we were thinking hey maybe Hangman Page finally turns heel on, on Kenny but then now we're kind of seeing Kenny having these heel tendencies and just. 
and, and it's weird. It's almost like you know these are the two tag champ, uh, the tag champions, but then you're having like different storylines, clashing storylines, like at the same time. You got Kenny with Jungle Boy and Marco stunt for seemingly no reason. Then you got the whole, you know, not to say dissension, but then there's uh, you know some friction between Hangman and and Omega in regards to FTR. Then you got FTR hanging out with with Hangman Page. It's just like just a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on between them that there's just it almost seems like there's no concrete direction. A couple of weeks ago, I thought that the that the story was building to FTR versus Omega and the Bucks, and now seeing this match, I'm now starting to think, oh, they're they're building a match between Omega and Marco or Jungle Boy, and it's I loved you know I, I love Jungle Boy, I love Marco, but I don't know I never really saw Jurassic Express at any point get the uh, beating hangman and omega for the titles it i like the match but it, it it just it wasn't as good as i thought it could have been if that makes any sense sure um alice do you have any thoughts on the match or about the uh potential i mean they've definitely been teasing hangman and kenny breaking up and they've definitely teased both sides of it like who's gonna turn and i think it's pretty compelling because I'm pretty right on the middle about it. Like, it, it really could be either guy at this point. Kind of where, where do your thoughts lie on this, Alex? Well, what I love about it right now is that um, they, uh, further tonight, but also in the past few weeks, they're setting up FTR as, as heels. Um, they're setting up Hangman Page as this guy who you just love to root for him because he's just, he's that kind of a dude. Um, and so you think, if he and Kenny split up, then Kenny will be the heel because there's no way anybody's going to boo Hangman Page. Not the way he's been playing this character. But they're teasing an alliance between Hangman Page and FTR. So if Hangman Page is with FTR, does he automatically become a heel? Does he pull them more toward the face side because everyone's going to root for whoever's associated with Hangman Page? I love that there's that ambiguity here, and they can and they they have the opportunity to literally tweak two things, like turn the knobs this way or that way, and they can do any number of like six different stories. That's great long-term story. Where you leave yourself so many options, as opposed to, I showed up for work today and the script that I thought I had was torn up, and now we got to do reshoots in an hour. That's the opposite of this, where you're telling a long-term storyline with so many moving pieces. And you're leaving yourself out for figuring out ways that you can go from, from this direction or this direction or that direction. Or maybe we'll, we'll, we'll double back on it and we'll actually align Omega with FTR and you won't even see it coming. Stuff like that is still available to them. And I just, I love it. I'm so, so here for it. Dude, I couldn't agree more. I'll just straight up ask both of y'all. I mean, there's been a lot of teases about like a potential four horsemen in the AEW. Whether they call it that or not, they've definitely teased that. They're making four horsemen references like pretty consistently throughout Dynamite, like subtly and, you know, on being the elite. My line of thinking for a while has been FTR, Hangman, and Cody being those four guys. What do you think? Like, do you think that, do you think that's where they head or do you think they throw a a curveball in there? Um, start off with Carlos. Yeah, I, I think, you know what? I think they'll throw a curveball. I think for a while, it, and for a long time, especially when it comes to Hangman and Omega, it it almost seems like the storyline was going to head into one direction. Like, think back to all the way back to February at, at Revolution, where so after the match between Hangman and Omega and the Bucks, 
where it almost looked like for a quick second after the match that Hangman was going to do the buckshot lariat on Omega, and then they just kind of just... They, they don't, he doesn't do it, but the, but it kind of leads you into believing maybe maybe Hangman Page will turn on Omega one of these days. And then the story just kind of just changes, subtly changes direction. And right now we're under this impression that there is going to be some type of four horsemen in AEW. I don't think we we'll quite get that because I think we are going to see... Maybe some type of alliance, maybe not necessarily four horsemen-like, but I think we're going to see something. But I don't think it's going to be quite what they're teasing right now. They they, they have been good with kind of just leaving a lot of ambiguity, as Alex pointed out, about what the direction is going. Because there's a lot of different directions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so you're kind of more along the lines of like, they're kind of being a little too obvious about a few things that might throw us throw us something for a loop there what are you thinking alex do you where, where do you think this all kind of heads i i think there's going to be a swerve to the swerve i think they're leading us down this path they know we know it's coming so they're going to swerve us for a second maybe for an episode or two where's the other way and then there's going to be a double cross and the person that you you there was there's the there's a there's a famous thing back in wcw where uh where rick flair teamed with sting and they always hated each other. And it was like, like, why would you teaming? Because but it looked for a while like Ric Flair was actually turned over a new leaf. Not just kidding. No, I'm going to beat the crap out of you during our tag match. And and it, it worked because we all thought it was they were going to, to have this big that Flair was going to turn on. But Flair made us believe for like a month. No, actually, I think Flair's a good guy now. Ah, well, we were suckers. Like that's the best part is that we 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 knew it was one thing. It ended up being that thing that we all knew it was going to be, but they took us on a little roundabout way to get there. I think that might be what they do with this. I like it. I like all those options. Good stuff. Good stuff. Moving on on Dynamite, we had Sheeta, um, who you know the women's champion, but this was non-title uh, defeat. I was non-title, I believe, right? This was a non-title match. Yeah, non-title. Yeah, uh, against Heather Monroe, who was making her AEW Dynamite debut, I believe, on the show as well. Um, what do you think about this match, Carlos? Was this a good, uh, good showing for Heather against the champ? I mean, it's literally every women's match that we've seen for the last few weeks. I mean, you know who's going to win, you know who's going to lose. I thought, you know, Heather did fine for what she did, but, you know, this was only like three, four minutes. It's not exactly enough time to showcase what you can do on your TV debut, especially when you're the one that's supposed to be jobbing out to the champion. For, but for what it's worth, I thought Heather did fine. I just... I'm, I'm really not liking what they've been doing with the women. I mean, you look at Sheeta. They announced Sheeta being in action literally hours before the show went on the air. And then right when you finally have a, a live interview with Sheeta, and then you kind of start and you think, okay... What are we going to see next with Sheeta? And all she says is like, I'm waiting. And that's it. And I'm like, oh, there really, really is no direction. And, and I pointed, out, pointed this out on Twitter. It's like, this is Tag Team Appreciation Night. And it took them an hour and 38 minutes before they even acknowledged that there was even a women's tag team tournament going on. And especially on a night like this, you would think that they would just 
you know, put it out there, like, from the start. It's Tag Team Appreciation Night. We also got a women's tournament, even though we don't have any uh, matches from the tournament tonight. We, we got a tournament going on, and, and I love Sheeta as a champion. I think she's a phenomenal talent. But, but the problem here is, like, what is... Sheeta hasn't done anything, aside from one really good match with Penelope Ford. What has what has Sheeta really done, you know, throughout her title range? It, it's not her fault, not her fault in, in the slightest, but it, it just sucks that the women are literally getting five, six minutes, and it's usually a squash match, maybe a super brief interview, and that's it. And like, there's really, there's literally no direction in heading into all out. All out's only in a few weeks, and we have. No one to kind of, you know, to kind of challenge Prashida. I mean, Nia's been at the top of the AEW rankings for a while, and for a while it seemed like we were going to be heading towards the rematch, and, and ultimately it might end up being that way, but it just, you know, there's nothing. Like, I I, I entered this uh, tonight thinking, all right, we might be getting something with Shida, and then I left tonight thinking, I still don't know what we're going to do with Shida, so... And listen, and far be it from me, a man, to kind of give a big opinion on women's wrestling, but I think I speak for a lot of people when I say the women kind of deserve a better than five, six minutes every single week. Yeah, well, you're echoing the statements uh, and sentiments of a lot of wrestling fans that I, I see giving feedback about AEW um, on online, especially. Um, you know, a lot of people with their opinions about Kenny Omega's involvement in the booking and Brandy Rhodes' involvement in the booking and stuff. Um, Alex, kind of, what are your opinions on this? Do you think, do you think the AEW? Because it isn't to be fair to with what Carlos was just saying, it isn't just Sheeta. Like, it's not like Nyla Rose or Riho had like these incredible title reigns either. It's kind of like the, it's not just Sheeta. It's like the entire division. I feel like has been kind of uh, kind of meh since the beginning. Um, uh, our uh, my my co-host uh, for weeks past, uh, Louis Dangour, has brought up several times that they had the opportunity to sign Mercedes Martinez, and they did not. And I think it would have she would have been a fantastic first champ to hold the belt for a long time and have feuds with several different women underneath her and the woman who finally broke through and beat mercedes martinez if you booked her right as this like vicious monster in the ring um which she absolutely has the potential of being um that woman who finally uh, unseated her as champion would get propelled to the moon you know like and it's a, it's a crazy thing that they didn't use her and if you don't have to use her you you could pick somebody else but Book somebody really strong as champ who fused with people, not has a great match. Like Sheeta Penelope Ford had a great match. I don't remember a feud necessarily between them. There was like, they built to a match, the match happened, and then it was over. Like, you need to actually build, like, have, like, why, like, they're doing a great job building to Big Swole versus Britt Baker. But Big Swole's not on TV nearly enough. And, and Britt Baker, um, is is in a wheelchair now she's doing amazing stuff for me in the wheelchair but she can't do anything in, in the ring and when she had the opportunity to teach big swole a lesson it turned into a comedy thing where she got her valet who actually is a wrestler but they don't treat her as one they got her rebel reba to go in there and get her ass kicked by big swole 
when she could have picked out anybody and actually given Big Swole a, an actual fight on her hands. Like Britt Baker, who's feeding with Big Swole, every week should find some indie woman that, that they can bring in for a night who, who looks menacing, who can give Big Swole an actual match. Like, like make it a gauntlet of sorts. Every week, Big Swole's got to face somebody new because Britt Baker hires out these hit women to come in and she can say, I can do it because I'm a dentist. Do you know how much money dentists make? Like she could do a whole thing of how she's rich so she can afford to pay all these women as, as hit men basically to come in and take out Big Swole. But Big Swole beats him down every week until finally Big Swole Versus, uh, versus Britt Baker. You can build to that. And with the momentum of probably Big Swole beating Britt Baker or Britt Baker beating Big Swole, that person has the momentum after winning that feud to get hot-shotted into the title. And there you go. Good deal. Um, I think we're getting some audio issues again. I'm so sorry about that, guys. I don't know why they're coming, why those issues are just coming in and out like that. Um, I'll do my best to fix that. Um, Carlos, this is something that we didn't mention before as I try to handle this situation here. Something that I didn't mention earlier was the MJF promo, which I thought was, uh, um, which I thought was, you know, really, really good. I mean, he's, he's, that's all, all he does on the, on the microphone. MJF's the man. Um, I'm really interested in his match with John Moxley, especially because, um, it presents something completely different. Moxley has, um, you know, defended the title against Brody Lee. He won it from Jericho, of course. Um, he defended it against Brian Cage, and MJF is like something completely different uh, than what we normally get. Um, what are your thoughts on the buildup here so far between MJF and Mox? First of all, I do want to uh, acknowledge the fact that MJF literally did the Samoa Joe uh, spot from years and years ago where MJF was walking Samoa Joe into the ring and Samoa Joe pushes him and now NJF on his way to the ring literally does the exact same thing. And I thought that was really funny. You know, I... Okay, I have mixed feelings when it comes to this whole campaign because obviously we're in a, we're in a, uh, we're, we're in an election year and obviously there's been a lot of political discourse uh, with in regards to that, I'm not going to get into that, but you know, if, if this is how MJF gets into a title shot, I mean, sure. I mean, look, MJF is more than capable of literally turning just almost anything into a great, great promo. But the way this has been handled, it's like, yeah, it's it's like it's trying to turn John into this like dictator for some reason where things are just run rampant it's just it's not really the case and then and then overall when he said earlier in the in the promo he was just talking about how john moxley isn't here and it just kind of it mjf came off a little dumb because throughout the night they were right before the promo and during the day they were just talking about how john moxley was going to be there and then mjf just says oh yeah he's not here and it's like what there's they literally been advertising like and kind of makes MJF look a little foolish, but you know it, it was a great promo. I just have mixed feelings with the quote unquote political angle that in this campaign that he's running. It's you know, but it's not the first time we've seen this type of 
uh, this type of stuff on wrestling television. I think EC3 did something almost exactly like this several years ago when he was campaigning to be TNA World Heavyweight Champion. So, you know, it's it is what it is. It's taking you know taking advantage of the fact it's an election year, but I, I'm just not a fan of you know political stuff uh, in used in this manner. I, I don't know if I'm being too nitpicky when it comes to kind of this kind of stuff, but you know, in a vacuum, I thought it was a very, very good promo. What about you, Alex? Do you think uh, do you like the build up to this match? And do you think MJF has a chance of winning and becoming the new AEW champion? I mean, I would say no, but um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked at it either. Uh, he they, he's the kind of guy that you 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 really can. Um, see being a future like multi 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 time champion if he stays in it for a decade with this company, um, and I, I I agree with you, Carlos, that it's not the best. I don't think it's about the pol- polit- politics thing. It's just that it's it's one guy making great speeches to call out um, the champ, um, but then the champ shows up cleverly from behind him and hits his finisher on him. And now what? You know, like, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, usually if you're calling out the champ and the champ's, you know, quote-unquote, the good guy, the champ, then, the champ then shows up to answer your challenge <laughs> by doing his finisher to you. Well, then that's, that's, I don't, that's not a usual thing that, the, that you do. Like, you've got to keep these guys separate or, or it's the, the heel that does all the attacks and stuff. It's, it's a weird thing to have all of his attacks be verbal. Do I think they're clever? Yes. He's amazing on the mic. I think that he's really fantastic. I actually think he's very, very good in the ring. But we don't get to see it very often. So it's hard to, to you know, to be looking forward to, to that aspect of it because it's we don't have that frame of reference. Um, I think the match will be very good. Um, I think Mox is going to win. I think that, that if, if uh, MJF is undefeated, as he says, the, one, the, the guy to beat him, if it's Moxley, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like personally. I think that MJF is. I think he's gonna win the belt. I I I like Moxley as a champion. I I think that him having a long title reign would be great, and I think he's a perfect fit for AEW champion. But I also feel like if they're gonna put MJF in this position, then I feel like he has to win, like just to like keep the momentum and keep kind of the trajectory that he's on. But and he's also the only one to have a win over Cody this entire year and stuff like that. They've really done a good job building him up. Um, so I'm really interested to see kind of where this all winds up heading. Um, as far as uh, the main event, oh, actually, before we get to the main event, there was kind of an interesting promo. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts was backstage with Lance Archer, and Lance was just, you know, beating up people, threw a guy in a trash can, you know, doing the stuff that Lance Archer does. And then Lance rips Jake's shirt off, and it says, everybody dies on Jake's back, which I thought was interesting. Um, Carlos, what were your thoughts on this whole segment here? So, the way I've been looking at it, the way this, they've kind of been treating Lance Archer post-match against Cody, it's, it's kind of, they're, they're trying to tell us that Lance Archer is completely de- deranged, that not even Jake the Snake can control him, and we're to the point where, like, we've seen bits and pieces throughout the last couple of months or in the last few weeks where 
where Jake is like, I mean, I don't know what's going, I don't know what to do about Lance Archer, but it's like he keeps, you know, doing these backstage attacks, and, and this week he's humiliating, you know, Jake the Snake. So of course, this is all just trying to make him into this, you know, absolutely insane monster heel, where he's not, where he's not afraid to, you know, to destroy or humiliate anyone, even if it means the the man who is essentially his mouthpiece, Jake the Snake, but. It, it's it goes into this whole, you know, what has what is the direction with Lance Archer? And I get it, you know, Moxley's dealing with MJF, Cody's dealing with Brody Lee, and 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 I've said this the first time I went on, on this podcast several weeks ago. It's like Lance is, is with it joins this group of guys that, that they're built up as this big monster, and then they lose their first title match, and then there's nothing left there's nothing for them it's just you know they're just no real direction brian cage what what has he done ever since he lost to to john moxley he hasn't been on tv all that much on dynamite lance archer the most memorable thing was one match against joey janela after the the cody loss and that's about it but you know and i i get what what they're trying to do and just Make him this deranged, insane monster that not even Jake the Snake can control. But it, it hasn't been like I don't think it's been utilized to to its fullest extent. Like, like he has to, he, he's not acting like that much more insane or 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 uncontrollable than he was prior to the Cody loss. It's not like it's not like he turned from like a six then to an, to a twelve. It's like he was at a at a nine. Now he's at a ten not really that much noticeable so I, they're trying to kind of just make it, it almost like they're trying to make jake into a more sympathetic figure but lance i'm still not sure what, what what's the point in all this it's just destroying dudes and not much else yeah i'm with you there i i also got that feeling that they were trying to make jay the saint seem like a sympathetic figure i thought that, i think that's a really good point to bring up there as well um, and I also, you know, you're very on point about like, uh, Lance Archer being one of a handful of AEW talents that have debuted on the show in a prominent spot without really anywhere to go after that. Like we've seen it with Lance Archer going right there against Cody pretty much right off the bat. We saw it with Brody Lee and John Moxley. Uh, we saw it with Brian Cage and John Moxley. So yeah, very interesting points there. I think you're right on, uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on kind of the state, the kind of the state right now of Jake, the snake and Lance Archer and, and kind of where they're at on the show. I mean, uh, Carlos said it, I say it every week. You can't keep debuting these big, big, big dudes who we've seen elsewhere. And they're supposed to be impressive. They come in, you hot shot them to a title match that they lose. And then you forget about them. That's, that's Vince McMahon shit. That's, that's as I, as I say every week, that uh, that's, that's taking a frozen pizza out of the out of the freezer, putting it in the oven, cooking it up nice and hot, taking it out, taking a big whiff of nice hot pizza, and putting it right back in the freezer. You heated it up. Now do something with it. Eat the pizza. Don't freeze it. Don't cool it off again. And then you, you pull it back out of the freezer in a week, and you what, put it back in the oven and heat it up again? That's not nearly as good or tasty of pizza as it would have been the first time you heated it up. So every time you do it, the pizza is less and less palatable. Stop ruining pizzas. I'm very passionate about this. In case you couldn't tell by looking at me, I love pizza. 
Stop ruining pizzas. Hashtag stop ruining pizzas. That is absolutely incredible. Stop ruining pizzas. Look at that, look at that trending. I couldn't have said that better myself. I mean, that was the perfect analogy. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what winds up happening. Like, because, you know, it's almost the same kind of thing with, you know, with MJF, right? Like, do you, like, and just quick answers from Carlos and then Alex. Like, do you think losing to John Moxley would, like, seriously damage MJF? Like, regardless of how he lost, if he lost right now to, uh, to Mox, if MJF lost to Moxley at, uh, at All Out, like, do you think that, like, seriously kind of hurts his progression? Uh, starting with you, Carlos. It only it it only hurts MJF if they do what they've been kind of been doing. Did we lose Carlos there for a second? I think he froze. Oh no. We'll try to get him back on here. Um Oh, Carlos, are you back? Yep. yep. Yeah, can, can you hear me? me? Yeah. Oops, uh, apologies, but uh but yeah. Uh, just super, you guys kind of reiterating because I don't know when you lost it, but yeah, it, it, it only hurts MJF if they don't do anything else with him, and they've kind of been doing that for quite a number of guys that have lost title matches, but I think with MJF, they know that they got something really good. They got a big, big star for years and years to come. I think they're going to do everything they can to protect MJF, whether it be losing BN shenanigans or whatever fluky finish they can do that MJF can just protest for, for months and months and months. You know, it, it only hurt him if, if this entire build uh, results in nothing. Even if he loses, there's a way to keep him strong while losing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Alex, any thoughts added to that? No. No, you said it. You said it. I mean, it, it's... I, I, I do not have anything to add to that. That was, that was perfectly well said. That was perfect. It was like uh, the Orange Cassidy answer last week on uh, yeah. whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, speaking of Orange Cassidy, we had the main event. Um, and thank you for the feedback in the chat, guys. I think I got the audio locked down at this point. I, I hope. I have, I have actively been trying this whole show. I promise y'all. Um, we had Orange Cassidy uh, taking on Chris Jericho. And, you know, Orange Cassidy gets the win here. Some things that I definitely want to point out. I don't know what was going on in that dragon screw. Like, they went for it three times and didn't pull it off. Like, I couldn't tell if that's what they were going for at certain points where it was like, I don't know. I don't know what that was. And then the mousetrap, uh, Orange Cassidy's pinning combination there, was a bit of a botch as well, which um, I hate seeing that because I'm a big Orange Cassidy fan. Uh, but, Carlos, what do you think about this match, especially in comparison uh, to their previous match and Orange Cassidy getting the win here? I think that this was the right time to give Orange Cassidy the win. I mean, look, Chris Jericho, he's kind of he's been like out of the title scene for quite some time. He's, he's he's been just dealing with leaving the inner circle and then just moving on to this whole thing with Orange Cassidy, which I think th this entire feud has been just fantastic i loved the debate last week and i thought and i had low expectations first of all the match i'll say this i thought i i thought their first match was a little bit better the you know the we kind of knew what was going to happen when even when they said you know inner circle and best friends can't uh, are barred for ringside we, we all know it's gonna be like that uh, I, I like the little small touch of having Mike Kyoto in there. I thought it was 
I thought it, it was good. It played off a little bit of the history, kind of starting to see whether or not like Jericho trying to coerce Mike Kyoto into doing a, a screw job finish if needed. And it just it, it was just a nice feel good win for Orange Cassidy. I don't think that they're, this, this is going to catapult Orange Cassidy up to, you know, a title shot or into title contendership. But I thought that Jericho, his whole goal throughout this whole thing has been to elevate Orange Cassidy into a main eventer. And whether or not you like the character of, you know, he's lazy, but when he but when he gets going, he really, really gets going. Regardless of what you think of the character, there's no denying that Orange Cassidy has done everything in his power to solidify himself as a top star. And I think he has. His promos, when he actually cuts promos, are hilarious and fantastic. His wrestling, it may not be, you know, a Kenny Omega type of level, but the work rate that he puts out there in the ring is excellent. I love it. I, I love Orange Cassidy. I think this was the type of win to to kind of solidify him as someone that you can recently put him in feuds with with top names. Because if Jericho beats Orange Cassidy, then any future feuds he has with like a lot of big name guys uh, on AEW, whatever he may have, it, it, it feels kind of kind of like pointless because then you're just wrestling a guy who's lazy and he doesn't win big matches. So. I thought that this was the right time to just kind of give Orange that big win. What do you think, Alex? What do you think about uh, Orange Cassidy getting this win over, you know, obviously, in my opinion, one of the best professional wrestlers of all time, Chris Jericho, uh, here in this main event. What do you think this does for OC? Um, well, Cassidy Star continues to rise. Um, Jericho, again, is absolutely bulletproof. He could take he could take losses from now until doomsday. He'll still be the same guy. Um uh, I, I just <laughs> his his band performed in front of two thousand idiots. Yes, I said idiots. I'm not taking it back at at Sturgis, uh, like what eighteen hours ago, and he's like, yeah, let's go to AEW. Where uh, it just it felt like you could take the week off, you know, just you know, hang out, maybe self quarantine a little bit, see if you develop a cough, maybe around Saturday. Like I, I just it felt it felt like a really weird thing to have him standing there. Talking to Shivani, because um, we don't whatever. It was a weird thing that that whole thing all really really struck me as 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 wrong because because AEW has been taking so many good precautions as far as I know with this stuff to have Jericho and Fozzie play that giant festival uh, and then just and not not deal with that in the moment it was it was was odd to me. Uh, Cassidy wins this. It's I don't think the match from what I saw of it because I was paying a lot of attention to the, what was going on, on on NXT at the time. From what I saw of it, it wasn't as good as their first match. So uh, we'll see where where all this goes. It feels like it's a longer story that they're telling with Jericho and Cassidy that it probably it may continue for months at this point. Want to get to a quick super chat roll right here? Uh, gotta pull it up. Lost it. Lost it for a second. There it is. Uh, we got a super chat from Drew Nicholas. Thank you, Drew, for the super chat. It says, uh, AEW, since less crowded, since crowdless shows, uh, feels like main adventures are the only ones who get creative. All others just get dark matches or hang around the ring. 
That's an interesting point. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Carlos? Uh, thank you once again, Drew, for the super chat. Yeah, I mean, kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, look, the the guys that AEW firmly has on top, they'll get they'll either get big matches or they're just gonna or they're gonna get actual storylines. I mean, look, Britt Baker, uh, Britt Baker is injured, and she is like, and she's a part of the only like actual feud and angle. Uh, for the women's division, she isn't even involved in anything, and she's the champion and has been the champion for months. So, I mean, it's I, I wish they would take the time to sort of experiment a little bit, just kind of see what sticks and what what doesn't stick. I mean, look, the guys that have been put into good spots and into creative views and everything, They've been good, and you know they've they, for the most part they've been solid. But I wish that they would just not over rely on on you know on the guys that we already know are stars. I I love to see some of these other guys kind of get you know either a title shot or, or or a title run. I would have loved to see Scorpio's guy is a perfect example. Like you could have not only could you have get put up the title on him, even if it's for a short while, it would also legitimize Dark, which would then later on have a trickle down effect and make some of the guys that wrestle on Dark feel more legitimate. But now it's still more or less the status quo, uh, so to speak. Yeah. What do you think, Alex? Any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it's it's difficult. They're not they're not really doing much to build a mid card. Um, they have an amazing tag division, but like as far as singles guys who um might you know get a get a you know a month long push and wind up getting a, a title shot versus Cody, they don't have that because Cody has one off matches with people. So it's not like there's no real mid cards of singles. There's a bunch of tag guys who. I think eventually it could be singles guys like, you know, Sky and obviously Paige and, and Omega. Um, but they're not really, they're not really working through a, a mid card. So a lot of these guys who are hanging out at ringside, that's really the only thing they got going for them right now. Cause there's nothing else for them to do. Good deal. Um, is there any final thoughts that you guys have on AEW tonight? Um, did we, did we talk about FTR uh, doing the spike pile driver to Ricky Morton? Did I, did I miss that? Thank you very much for bringing that up because I did actually skip over that on accident. So thank you very, very much, Alex. Um, I'm fumbling around a little bit trying to make no, sure. That's all, it's all right. right. I just want to make sure. So, thank you so much. Um, that was a great segment, in my opinion. We had, of course, um, Tolly and Arn, along with um, Gibson and Morton, the Rock and Roll Express, in the ring with FTR and the Young Bucks. And basically we had a, a situation in Sue where FTR attacked Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. So obviously a lot of seeds have been being planted uh, between FTR and, and the Young Bucks up to this point. And I think this obviously furthers all these, uh, all the speculation and storylines. So Carlos, what do you think about kind of where this whole feud is heading and the actual attack itself on Rock and Roll Express? So one thing that I thought was really good, I think it was, Dax, who was the one wearing the knee brace, and any of you guys can correct me on that. I think mm -hmm. it was Dax who was wearing the knee brace. I loved that the way he sold the, the, the knee, the supposed injured knee, and I it legitimately threw me off because I thought he actually tweaked it and actually got hurt. 
Because he, I remember he was talking a little bit about how his knee hasn't been feeling all that great. But I, lo- I thought the segment was really, really good. I thought it was funny how Tully Blanchard was telling Ricky, uh, was telling Ricky Morton, you don't want to start something you don't want to finish. When Ricky and Robert have actually been wrestling for the last couple of years and can go. And I thought that was that was actually a little bit funny. I thought Ricky sold the hell out of that spot from FTR. I thought it was a great segment. I thought it was great heel heat for for FTR, whatever that means in this, you know, audienceless time in professional wrestling. But I thought, you know, it's it's just another layer onto this FTR Yumbuck storyline, which I think has been really, really good. And I think it's it, it further kind of adds on to what I was talking about several weeks ago, how it almost seems like every single time that the Young Bucks and FTR clash, whether it be in the ring or in a, or in a segment or whatever, it's almost always like FTR gets the upper hand at the end. And I like the way that they've been built so far. I'm curious to see how they're going to approach this because I've said I still believe this. I still think FTR is going to be the one that takes away the titles of Hangman and Omega. And then that's what we'll finally get to see that FTR Young Bucks match finally come to fruition. Yeah, I'm with you, Carlos. I, I kind of envision a scenario where maybe it's Hangman and Omega versus FTR and Hangman just stabs Omega right in the back and, and allows FTR to win the titles from them. And that's how like they start this whole uh, alignment. I'd like to see something like that. And I also, uh, there was another point that you just brought up and I lost my train of thought. Um, oh yeah, with, uh, with Rock and Roll Express, the fact that they're still wrestling, it's a very, that's a very good point to make because they were the National Wrestling Alliance Tag Team Champions like pretty recently. And I could conceivably see them wrestling some matches in AEW, especially with, you know, they got a whole bunch of fans working there. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on kind of this whole segment and where things could head from here? Well, you know, it's a uh, tag team appreciation night. So uh, I, I <laughs> a fantastic account on Twitter, which is just called Vince McMahon Googling. And every, t- <laughs> every tweet, every tweet that it comes from, from that Twitter account, you just uh, 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 picture him uh, Googling things. And um, and the tweet that he said, like, who, who the hell appreciates tag teams? <laughs> and I just thought that's just so perfect. Um, I, I thought I thought this was great because you're going to see all these different generations um, of, of, like, of these guys in the ring together. Uh, FTR just like spike pile driving uh, Ricky Morton um, and the Bucks being like, what the hell's going on? I, I think this is really great. Again, it furthers all of these storylines. Uh, let you let you know. Wait, 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 wait. We're not supposed. To, we shouldn't be rooting for FDR. We love these guys because they finally got out from under the clutches of Vince McMahon Googling. But um, we shouldn't be rooting for them because they're not nice men. You know, like that's that's a cool thing to be able to to remind us of that. We all are rooting for these guys because we know how how dirty they were done. And now you're not supposed to be rooting for them. So let's try and murder an old man. You know, like that's that's good. Hey, it worked for Randy Orton with Ric Flair. It can work for you know for the FTR with Ricky Morton. Uh, and and again, I'm I am very excited to see. There's so many different scenarios. Like I could probably come up with a dozen different scenarios for how the the, the hypothetical 
Page turning on Omega and joining forces with FTR um, would go. And it, and and maybe there's a dozen more that I won't even think of that they they could pick from. I love it. That's a great spot to be in, isn't it? As wrestling mm. fans watching a wrestling <laughs> product where you legitimately like not only do you not know where the storylines are headed, you're excited about it, and a lot of these matches. Like, most of the time when I watch AEW, I don't even care who wins and loses. Like, wins and losses matter on the show, obviously, for how they're trying to set things up. But I'm a fan of, like, everybody involved. So, like, when people win and lose, as long as the story is good and it makes sense and the match is good, like, I think AEW has been delivering that pretty consistently since it started. Would, would you all agree? For the most part, I would say yeah. 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 Cool. Um, I think that's everything for AEW. I think we've gone through it. Is there anything else, any final thoughts or anything else that you want to get to with uh, with AEW starting with Carlos? Overall, I thought the wrestling for, the, for some of the matches were really, really good. The work rate was solid. A lot of them ended flat. I wish the women would get more time, and it's it gets kind of echoing my sentiments from several weeks back. Wrestling's good. Wish the women would get, a, uh, get more time on TV. Fair points. And I think you're, once again, I think you're echoing the statements of a lot of wrestling fans out there. Um, Alex, any final thoughts there on AEW from tonight? Uh, no. <laughs> I think we think we talked about it enough. I, I think that they're, they're in a good spot with a lot of, with a lot of the storylines they're telling, and they still can't figure out a way to use the women. Well, there you go. That seems to be pretty unanimous. Um, we're going to move on over to NXT now. And while I'm getting this stuff pulled up here on my computer on my end, um, this is a good reminder time for everybody. If you do have a super chat, feel free to uh, to drop that there in the chat. We will make sure to read your comment, question, statement. Uh, you know, try to give your money's worth there. So whatever you donate, we will try to make sure to address that, and we will prioritize um, whatever you whatever you want to talk about. Um, starting off with NXT tonight, so. You know, it kicked off with a with a recap of a lot of this stuff between Pat McAfee and Adam Cole, and that seemingly is kind of the most one of, one of the bigger, if not the biggest, kind of storyline going on in NXT currently. Um, Alex, what kind of are your thoughts on this whole scenario of like of Adam Cole, who, in my opinion, might be the best overall performer in the WWE, like on any brand? He's, I think, he's fantastic. And a guy who's, you know, a former punter in the NFL turned, you know, analyst slash commentator for wrestling. Kind of kind of what are your thoughts right now on how this is all going? Well, I, I'm, I'm willing to let it play out just because I trust Adam Cole so much. But it, and I talked about it last week. It's a it's a major step down from um, from champion for 400 days to I got, I'm, I'm going to have a match with a former punter. Like that's that's a, that's a major step down. I I think that Adam Cole is handling it really really well, and they honestly don't have anything else for him to do right now. So um so I think that it's going to be it's it's the match that they talk about on ESPN, and that's really important to Triple H. Like it's really important to Triple H. So uh, I did think it was really funny that after the whole Pat McAfee punts uh, Adam Cole in the head last week, the Triple H. Triple H going on ESPN to demand a match with Pat McAfee for Adam Cole on behalf of Adam Cole had like big time don't ever speak to me or my son again vibes. You know, like it was very, very much like Triple H as the dad being like, I you can't say that to my son. Son, fight him. Like that's like it's a very odd thing. Like a little league dad who gets really, really pissed on behalf of his kid. Um We'll see where all this goes. 
Like they're they're doing this thing where they come. Listen, there's there's nothing in all of WWE. It doesn't matter. It still sucks at, at NXT as well. Face to face segments are just shit because they have nothing. They don't they don't know what they're gonna do. They just know we're, we're gonna put them in the ring together and we'll figure something out. You never do. You just wind up doing the same stuff over and over again. So we'll see what that is. Carlos, you have anything you'd like to add to that? Any thoughts on uh, kind of the? Because uh, I'm with you, Alex. As far as like, I mean, you got Adam Cole, who it's it, it, it's strange to talk about. Like Adam Cole, one of the best. I mean, pro- one of the best NXT champions ever, arguably the best, depending on you know kind of how you rank it. Yeah. And um, this does seem like a really big step down uh, wrestling wise, but then like mainstream media wise, like you can see what they're kind of going for. Carlos, where your where's your head at on this stuff right now? If Rob Gronkowski wasn't able to really just elevate anyone or WWE for that matter, and I think Rob Gronkowski in the mainstream landscape, it's a bigger name or a bigger star than Pat McAfee. I really don't see, you know, this going as well as WWE thinks it will. I'm sure the goal is obviously to put Adam Cole out there in front of a, a bigger audience. That's why you got Triple H, Sean. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. ESPN and on Get Up and, and, and everything. It's, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's Pat McAfee, you know, and for, for as much as the sports world know him, it doesn't really lend to Adam Cole being that much bigger of a star. Credit to Adam Cole, you know, God bless him for doing everything in his power to make this work and to Pat McAfee as well, because he seems way more into this than Rob Gronkowski uh, looked like he was in during his brief time in WWE. But overall, I think it's like, sure. A couple of people that watch ESPN that don't watch wrestling probably will now know who Adam Cole is, but like, that's it. I mean, it's something for Adam Cole to do that's not fixated on the NXT title or the North American title. It, I think it'll be an okay match. Pat McAfee is an athletic enough of a guy that you can hide the limitations in his inexperience with Adam Cole, who's a fantastic wrestler. It'll be it'll be an okay match. Won't be great. And, you know, some people that watch ESPN now know who Adam Cole is. 
I guess that's a win for Triple H if he considers if that's the goal. Yeah, so interesting stuff. I'm I'm uh I hope the match I hope the match delivers. I mean, I guess guess that's really all I can say is like I hope it's better than I expect because I really don't know what to expect. Although I do have a lot of faith in Adam Cole because he's been consistently great in my opinion. Um, as far as this actual show goes, so Alex, what I'm going to do here for this is I'm just going to ask you. I'm just going to kind of try to lob this up to you because we had a uh, a match between Killer Cross and Danny Burst that I'd like you to talk about, give your thoughts. And then please let me know how you felt about the aftermath of what we saw um, with Keith Lee. Well, uh, Danny Birch uh, trying to get revenge for Cross laying out Lorcan. And I guess they said they laid out Birch too. It was hard to see in that weird one black and white camera shot they had of him laying out everybody backstage um, and uh, from last week. So it's it's the match you thought it would be. Danny Birch fights hard, but can't really do any damage to this monster, um, and and loses the match. Uh, he gets choked out. They, he does the Doomsday Saito. It's a, it's all it's it's a killer it's a killer cross slash Karrion cross paint by numbers match, and that's that's my thing with with Karrion cross right now is I I don't see any variety in the way that he does stuff in the ring. Right now, um, uh, I have I, I know that he's good. Um, I know that he's very good, but it, it feels like they are hot shotting another spooky dude to a titled shot. That like it, you, you pin yourself into a corner. You can't you can't end Keith Lee's momentum here, and you also can't not continue carrying Cross's reign of destruction. So. You're gonna do what? Another like thing where Seth Rock Rollins puts a toolbox on the Fiend's face and hits it with a ladder or something, and then they throw out the the match during a Hell in a Cell match because Seth Rollins was being too violent, and then they're like, "Oh crap! Now everybody hates Seth Rollins. Uh, let's take the title off him and make him into a cult leader." Like they they literally had to push all of the panic buttons because they did this exact same scenario like like what nine months ago. And they still haven't learned. Like, there's no reason that that Karrion Cross needs to be in this position with this title facing this guy for it now. You can wait. You can build this guy slowly. You can have him terrorize dudes. He pick. He handpicked Tommaso Ciampa. Got rid of him. We haven't seen him since. Handpick another guy. Another old. Another old head. Like he did that with with Dijak. That's fine. Like you can keep like cutting a swath through people as he as he does but you don't need to do this yet and so a- after the match uh keith lee comes out and keith lee is pissed and he's got a contract he's got regal's names already on it and i my name's on it now you sign it and so scarlet scarlet takes it over to carry across and she holds it out for him and gives him the pen and he doesn't take his eyes off of keith lee so here's the contract in front of him Right, and he's looking at Keith Lee, and she hands him the pen. And I swear to you, this is how he signs it. Like that is, you are not writing any of the letters in the name Carrion Cross right now. And also, why is your wrist doing this thing? Why is that? And like, maybe if you looked at the paper, you would be able to see that you're not making. Nowhere in there did you make a K. Your name, both names start with K. You did not make a K symbol. You did this thing. That's not going to hold up in court. 
You can take that to any lawyer. He's going to get that thrown out. That's not a real contract. You didn't sign that. Come on. And so then I guess Scarlet used the dark arts to put some something sinister in the little manila folder. So she helped, she closed it, put it back on the, on the apron, slid it over to him. Heathley opens it up while looking at it. I don't know what, I guess he wanted to see what Karrion Cross's signature looked like. Cause I would like to see that. I'd like to see what that signature looked like. That looked, my kid loves to just scribble on stuff. And I'm assuming it looks like that, like a three-year-old just, just scribbling with crayons. But he, he was so curious. He had to open it up to look. And there was a fireball in there, and it blew up, and then he reacted like this. Like there was a swarm of bees attacking him. Ah, no, not the bees. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was really funny. They wanted it to be really serious. The aftermath was played as really serious. It was fucking stupid. Like, if, if it's, if it's her, like, using her dark mystic powers to create a fireball, like, that's fucking stupid. Like that's that's stupid. If if it's her, like I don't know, planting a bomb inside this folder that that she thinks he's gonna look at, okay, I guess. I mean, they're, they're, I, somebody was like, "But we're, we're supposed to believe that flame really burned him." No, I believe it was really hot. And if you like were looking at it, like it would singe your eyelashes and stuff. I don't know if anybody uh, out there has been uh, super drunk when they were in college and decided to light a cigarette off the burner on the stove, but. It's no fun. It, it doesn't work out well, particularly if you've got a beard. Like, it, it's not good. Um, so I understand why Keith Lee would be affected by that. But it was all done with super seriousness, and it was just so damn silly. So all the seriousness afterwards feel, feels fake because the silliness of her conjuring up a black arts potion to manifest itself with flames in Keith Lee's face and then him warding off the swarm of bees, like it, it negates all of the serious stuff that happens afterwards where they have to lead him out of the ring, they have to cover his face and put him in an ambulance and take him to the hospital because he's got, you know, seven degree burns on his on his eyebrows. So that was that first segment. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, we got a couple of super chats during that pertaining to these segments, actually. So uh, Justin Lopez says... The McAfee angle in this uh, had main roster stank. I couldn't agree more. I think I think we all I think we all yep. uh, we all smell that stank along with you, Justin. And um, and Justin also said, um, so we are so are we cool with Scarlet having mystical powers? Um, I think that Alex has given his opinion on that. I'm not. I'm not. Nope. Um, Carlos, how do you feel about this? If this was Lucha Underground, I would believe it. And sure. I, was th I was telling Alex before the show, the only way I can feasibly buy this is if, first of all, they canonize Lucha Underground within, in WWE and they and then just have Karrion bring some of that white rabbit magic that he had back when he was at Lucha Underground. But other than that, this was really, really, really dumb. Like... We are in the year of our Lord Master Watto of, of New Japan, 2020, and we're using fireballs. Like, I legit cannot remember the last time a fireball was used. Like, I'm fairly certain there have been more times since this example, but the last time I remember was 
a fireball being used on Vampiro at Wrestling Society X. That is the last time I remember a fireball. And it was dumb. The fireball that they used on, I think it was on Hogan in WCW. Hogan, Hogan was and dumb. Warrior, where he couldn't get the damn thing to, to light. And, and, and Warrior sold it anyway. Oh, God. It was just so, terrible. Like, Keith Lee, I mean, kudos for you selling the hell out of that. But fireballs? Fireballs. Like, this is like this is in this is insulting people's intelligence in my opinion. Like that they have never been they have never been good. And if they were ever good, you're wrong. Like and and going back and again and super quickly on the whole carry on challenging keep Lee uh, for the titles. I thought that they were gonna stretch this longer than NXT Takeover 30. And and I agree with Alex in the sense that you do you didn't need to put Carrion in this stage uh, up to this point this early. And but in my opinion, if you do, if you really insist on having a Keith Lee Carrion Cross title feud, really like you could have, I would have had no problem if they had done it for the North American title. But of course, Keith Lee had to vacate the title, and, and also he could focus on the NXT title, yada, yada, yada. I thought that you can definitely do something with, with Karrion Cross just kind of going through everyone, but it just went through a few dudes and then just gets the NXT title shot. And I think I thought you could have stretched this a lot longer. I think you could have done something with Keith Lee as double champ, even if it was only for a month, even if it was only for a month, you could have, you know, done something. You could have done something interesting. I, I saw no reason why they couldn't do something with Keith Lee as double champion when they literally had every double champion in history, aside from maybe Paige when she was Divas and NXT Women's Champion, but that was only because in kayfabe, she couldn't be champion of both brands up to this point. But every other double champ essentially had to defend their titles respectively. It was, and I think you could have done something with Karrion taking away one of, one of Keith Lee's titles, and I would have preferred it to be the North American title. Because at the very least, you still have Keith Lee as NXT Champion while also giving Karrion the title run that WWE really wants to hotshot him. So I think that you can, I, I thought you could, you could stretch this a little longer. And if you want to do it, do the title run this soon, I would have preferred the North American title than the NXT title. Oh, uh, we got a super chat from uh, from Tay Boogie. Makes kind of a good point here. It says we can buy a dinosaur and an alien, but dark arts is a no go. Um, so basically no, refer. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think that, that, that uh, Luchasaurus is actually a dinosaur. That is a very tall man wearing a mask. That's obviously he might he might cosplay as a dinosaur, but that's a man wearing a mask. I don't believe for a second that Chris Statlander is actually an alien. I don't think they actually want us to believe that. They want us to believe that Scarlet used her dark mystical powers from beyond the grave to 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 create a fireball. Like that's what they they want us to believe. That was that. That was that. Otherwise, like, like, what did she plant a bomb inside the the, the folder? Is that what they want us to believe? Because if that's it, fine, I suppose. But that's also that's stupid in a different way. 
But no, I don't. I don't. They're not asking me to believe Luchasaurus is actually a dinosaur, and they're not asking me to believe Chris Stantlander is actually an alien. They are asking me to believe that Scarlet is actually a sorceress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty great answer, Carlos. Anything to add to that? No, not really. I mean, look, it's in a way the characters on AEW they're silly, and in a way they're kind of meant to be silly and not taken all that seriously. With Scarlet, they they meant it to be a hundred percent serious. Mm-hmm. That that is the that is the line we draw is in how they, the company treats those gimmicks. AW is isn't really saying that Chris is an alien. I mean, you got Jericho out there on commentary doubting Luchasaurus is a dinosaur, but then WWE fully wants us to seriously believe that Scarlet has mystical powers. I think that's the that's the line. Well, I think there's a fantastic point made by Justin Lopez. Thank you again, Justin, for another super chat. And just another reminder, all super chats, we will make sure to address your question, comment, statement right here on the air for you as, uh, as Justin just, has just uh, put this in the super chats. He says, and Keith Lee brought the damn contract out there. I could accept it more if they themselves brought the contract out there and then planted it. I think that's a pretty good point, right, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, no, unless unless maybe it was William Regal the whole time. This is part of his giant heel turn. And he can come out and go, war games. And that would be, it'd be, that's his, that's his, that's his catchphrase. But he'd be like, you're on fire. Like, some, I don't know what, what, what he would say. Ooh, manga. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on to the show, uh, we had a match. It wasn't really much of a match, but for a minute there, we got Drake Maverick taking on Killian Dane, and the Undisputed Era came out. Um, Alex, what did you think about, I guess kind of, there's not a whole lot to talk about match-wise, but kind of this whole scenario, and it kind of you know continues to play into the Pat McAfee thing. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I mean, you look at like Drake Maverick, the whole storyline of him like saving his job by having an amazing run in the cruiserweight tournament, and now he's 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 in a match that takes place entirely during a commercial, and and he's facing a guy who's four times his size. So Killian Dane has done no favors either. Killian Dane, if you actually have a match with Drake Maverick, the storyline should be Killian Dane picks up Drake Maverick and throws him into the seventh row, and Killian and, and Drake Maverick can't answer the count, and that's the end of the match. But but Killian Dane has to sell for Drake Maverick's baby offense. Sorry, Drake. Um, I, I think he's really talented. He does really great stuff. But asking me to buy him as a serious competitor is a, is a bridge too far at this point. So that whole thing takes place in picture in picture. While there's another picture in picture of them trying to get uh, Keith Lee to a hospital, they're actually doing a picture in picture of, of the Killian Dane and Drake Maverick match, which obviously doesn't mean anything. They're only there so that the Undisputed Era can come in and beat up people. Um, uh, now, does this mean we're probably going to get a Killian Dane versus Adam Cole thing? Or not Adam Cole, but one of the guys? Fine, that'll be fun. But he gets he gets, he gets t- beaten down four on one. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with this, but Killian Dane's definitely been a heel this whole time. And I like that the, the Undisputed Era doesn't give a damn who they beat up. But I also like that Killian Dane probably wouldn't take a shine to that. So he would definitely not care about beating up four other heels. So maybe that's something for the Undisputed Era to do over the next month or so is deal with the guys that Adam Cole makes them attack in the ring because he knows he's not going to have to face them. He's got Pat McAfee. 
so you have you have this other thing that they could do with them. Maybe that's something they could do with it. But it was all just a, a, a an angle to get Adam Cole in the ring to to, to do a promo to uh, Pat McAfee and be all tough with him, and say Pat McAfee show up next week, and then later on they announce Pat McAfee is going to show up next week. It'd be really great if he came, if he came out and said Pat McAfee, I dare you to walk down that ramp and, ramp and come in this ring and look at me face to face next week. And later in the match, uh, Pat McAfee says, I'm sorry, I got, a, I got a thing next Wednesday, so I can't do it. I'll see you at uh, TakeOver 30, though. Like, I would love if Pat McAfee, because that's something that would be totally in character. Like, no, I'm not showing up to, to full sale next week so your three boys can jump me from behind. Sorry, Adam, I'll catch you at our match. That would actually make sense to me. And, and it, it's, it would be so, it would actually make logical sense as opposed to, you come down here and you face me. And Pat McAfee via Twitter going, okay, I'll be there. It's just, it's silly. It's just very silly. Um, I love the idea about the Undisputed Era kind of having to clean up Adam Cole's messes for a minute. I think that would be really interesting. Um, yeah. Somebody that I've been consistently saying since his Ring of Honor days deserves more of a chance is Kyle O'Reilly. I'd love to see him get more involved in like a singles yes. in a singles uh, feud true. of some kind. Him and Killian Dane, I think, would be really, really good personally. Um, Carlos, what do you think about this? About kind of the Undisputed Era attacking Killian Dane and uh, kind of just running roughshod over the roster while they kind of head towards this big Pat McAfee, you know, sh- uh, stare or showdown, I should say. Man, if they hadn't wasted the Adam Cole, Pat McAfee confrontation on McAfee's show, I would have loved if just one of these days, one of the, a random day that McAfee's doing his show, you just have Undisputed Era, all three, uh, all four of them just kind of show up out of nowhere and just beat up uh, Pat McAfee on his own show. I thought, I think that would be. Very fun, uh, very very cool to see, and I like I like this little direction. I mean, look, for a, for the longest time, undisputed era has always been about championships, 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 and they've done an excellent job with that. But I like this this direction where they're just attacking anyone at random different times, and Adam Cole just directing the the chaos and the and the assaults. And they and that they don't and that they don't care who who they're attacking, whether it be a Drake Maverick or Killing Day or whoever. I like it. It's again, it's something for them to do that doesn't involve the titles, but this doesn't feel like a this doesn't feel like a bad thing or a step back for Undisputed Era. It's different, but I think it's it's being done well at least so far. Well, for me, the really interesting thing is, like, after this, because, like, I feel kind of like you said, Carlos, like, Undisputed Era, like, they've won all these titles. Adam Cole had, like, the longest reign in NXT history. Um, Who knows, like, what else there's really left for them to do on NXT. But then it's kind of terrifying, in my opinion, to think about Adam Cole and these guys, like, on Raw or SmackDown. And, like, there's a whole set of reasons why I'm, I'm kind of afraid for that. So, um I, we're in interesting times, I think, in NXT right now. Um, as we can continue to talk about with this show, because there's a lot of uh, kind of newer superstars uh, making their way. Um, some, one of them, you know, we're about to talk about Tyler Breeze is someone who's returned to NXT. Um, then we have Santos Escobar, who is the cruiserweight champion, been doing really good stuff, in my opinion, with uh, with his stable, along with uh, Jacqueline Wild and Raul Mendoza. Um, we had Tyler Breeze and, and Santos in a match where Santos won. 
Uh, Alex, what do you think so far? Well, I guess, what do you think about this match? And then what do you think about Santos Escobar as the champion up to this point? Well, I'm glad they're actually using him more. That's good. Uh, there was a, a few weeks where they, they weren't around. Um, I think I think you could... I'm telling you, man, besuited luchadors is such a great thing. They need to wear those masks when they're not in, in competition. Like, only take them off to actually wrestle. To, I think that'd be so cool. Because that that whole... They, they have that, that footage. They always play for those guys. They're just walking toward the camera. They're wearing beautifully cut suits. With, with the luchador mask, it looks so badass. And I don't understand why they don't utilize that look more often outside of that thing. Um, I think Santos Escobar is an amazing, um, I didn't realize, I didn't realize before his, his run here, like how, like how great of English he spoke. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that at the, uh, before this. And I think that's awesome. That's really going to help propel him. Um, the, the, I think the thing that's, that's, that's only holding back Andrade and Angel Garza with, with, with Vince, at all is the fact that they're they're learning and they're getting much better and it's a credit to them. But they showed up there not speaking English really well. He speaks English a lot better than either of those guys. I think that's going to help him a lot. Um, and uh, I mean, just I mean, obviously it doesn't matter. He could do all of his promos in Spanish for all I care. But in the eyes of people who make those decisions, it will help him. Um, and I love that they're getting Breeze some solo time. Like this is one of those guys who's one of my favorite wrestlers in the history of NXT. Like he had that goddamn match with Jushin Thunder Liger. Like they said, we got Liger to come over to do one match. Who's going to work him? Tyler Breeze is who's going to fucking work him. That's how good this guy is. And yet he's never held a title. Never on any level in WWE. That's a shame. So maybe that's the thing is that they, they wind up because he's he, he worked uh, cruiserweight matches. Maybe they'll say that he, he he's, might actually take that off of... Um, off of uh, Escobar, this this goes as you would expect. Like Breeze does some stuff, winds up losing because you know there's interference or distractions. Um, but what I loved is there's the post match beatdown. Fandango is injured because of what happened last year when they last week. Um, but they're beating down down Breeze, and Fandango says no. Fandango is one of the best friends in the business. How many times you see a guy get beat down, and we know he's got friends in the back. And nobody lifts a damn finger. Not Fandango. He's got his arm in the sling. And he comes out carrying in his good arm a stick, a kendo stick. He starts whopping dudes in the belly with the kendo stick like they're all Dominic Mysterios. I thought this was great. Um, and then, of course, he, it's three on one, the damn numbers game. And who comes out to even it out is um, Isaiah Swerve Scott, who most of his tea time, TV time now is just hanging out ringside on Raw Underground not competing, just hanging out because he looks, I guess Shane McMahon thinks Isaiah Swerve Scott looks like the guy who would be hanging out ringside at these fights. Like he just central casting. Yeah, that guy, um, I guess, but I'm, I'm here for Santos versus uh, Swerve Scott. Swerve is the only guy who's beaten him since he's been in, in NXT. They had several great matches back in uh, Lucha Underground as King Cuerno and Killshot. So yeah, that's good. Um, they're going to have a six-man tag uh, next week. We get so we get to see more of Ruff, uh, Raul, Rafael, Raul, which Mendoza, whatever his first name is. Um, uh, we get to see more of Mendoza in action. Who I really like. I like Wild too, but I really think Mendoza is can be special. So all this is all good. For getting uh, uh, Legado del Fantasma on screen is good for everybody. 
Getting Brizongo on screen is good for everybody, and I love Swerve Scott. I'm in all the way. I couldn't agree more, especially for everyone who may not know, I host the Fightful Select Weekender podcast on Fightful Select, and 205 Live is a show that we cover every weekend. And I think that the Legato del Fantasma, um, I think that adds a lot to the 205 Live show, like a, a lot, a lot. Like it's actual storylines. It's a real group that really has like a mission. And then you have Swerve Scott, who I've been a fan of since his indie work and of course his, his uh, work with Lucha Underground as well. Um, so a lot of really good stuff going on with the Cruiserweights. It's just one of those things where the show just never has a whole lot of buzz about it, unfortunately. But there is a lot of solid wrestling and it is a pretty darn good show for the limited time that it's on. Um, and I think you made a really good point there as well, Alex, with like the fact that um, Escobar has good English, which I think is going to help him a lot. And I think it's great that they have so many great Hispanic wrestlers right now on their rosters. I mean, I think Garz is fantastic. I think Carrillo is just getting used terribly, but, but yeah. should be a star. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, Andrade, of course. I mean, there's, there's plenty of, of great talents out there that they have. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, it, it's, it's interesting with Tyler Breeze as well. Cause like you bring up like the, the Jushin Liger match. I remember when he beat Kenta, I think it was at a takeover and, and everyone was like, he beat Kenta clean with a, with a spinning heel kick. Like they must really, really be behind Tyler Breeze. And, uh, and yeah, to see his, his career trajectory has been very interesting. Um, Carlos, do you have anything to add as far as, um, your thoughts on Escobar as the champion and kind of what they've done with that group? You know, not much else from what Alex said. He kind of hit the nail on the head on pretty much everything that I wanted to say. I think El Legado del Fantasma are an excellent group. I love that they are not being treated as, oh, or, oh, these guys, uh, you know, or they're Hispanic wrestlers. Or, you know, or the Rey Santos is a Hispanic wrestler. Let's turn him into Rey Mysterio clone number 48. Yeah. I love the different direction that they're doing with him. It's great. I love the the program that El Legado del Fantasma is doing with Tyler Breeze, Fandango, and Swerve Scott. I love that they are touching upon the fact that Swerve is the only man to beat Santos from the tournament. There was a part of me that was a little bit worried when Santos won the title that they would just kind of throw swerve you know out the curb and they just not acknowledge the fact that he won but i'm glad they're they're doing that i think all six guys involved in this are great i you know your television your wrestling program is so much better with them on and them being in put in a good prominent spot and i think the eventual swerve santos escobar match is gonna be it's gonna be a killer killer match I think it's going to be great as well. And Alex also bringing up the the great point that Swerve, as far as all we know, if, if all you watch is Raw, all you really know about Swerve is he's this random guy standing there in Raw Underground or getting beat up. Um, and he's so much more than that. And it's just really unfortunate that uh, kind of the Raw audience may not know that yet. But if you're paying attention to 205 Live and NXT, you know it's a very different story. The guy's, the guy's incredibly talented and a very nice guy. He's a guy I've been able to interact with in, in person before. And he's... I can't say enough good words about him, so I'm, I'm very happy to see where he's at um, as far as like NXT and 205 Live is concerned. Um, moving on with uh, with this NXT show here, the next match we had was Mia Yim uh, defeating Indy Hartwell by submission. Uh, what did you think about this match and uh, Yim getting the win here, Alex? Well, they're doing the thing where Mia Yim and uh, Keith Lee uh, together, and so 
they have to interview her about it. Like she barely got back from the hospital in time to put on her gear and stuff. He's he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. But uh, and then they have to do the thing like they have to talk about ah oh, but her her heart is not in the match. So maybe she will lose this match to this woman who hasn't won a match yet. Uh, but spoiler alert, she didn't. Um, so uh, I like Indy Hartwell. I think that there's there's certainly potential there, but we haven't been given any vignettes about her. Any we don't know anything about her. She's not winning this match. Um, so I mean, I guess didn't they have her beat Shotzi a while back? But that was that wasn't because it was anything Indy Hartwell did. It was because Shotzi got distracted by random Robert Stone business. Um, this is all uh, fine. I mean, it's it's listen. I'm happy NXT's finding ways to use the women that and and NXT and AEW isn't. That's good. I mean, like it's it, even if it is just Mia Yim, uh, kind of getting involved-ish via Keith Lee status. But Mia Yim's good. They had a before this. They had the the promo from Dakota Kai talking about how she's going to beat uh, Io Shirai. But she does she does say in there that I I don't need friends. Uh, I don't need insurance policies. Which is me is like if you're doing an angle where Dakota Kai got rid of Raquel Gonzalez, you kind of needed to do that as a storyline. Like if we're never going to see the two of them together, the last time we saw them together, like Ra- Raquel had her back and was helping her out. For whatever reason that that Raquel's not there anymore, you got to make that a storyline thing. Like you got to write her off in some way if that's the case. Um, uh, but uh, I'm. I, I like that, that Dakota Kai has this newfound edge to her. It, it works for her. Uh, later on, we got we got a Io Shirai promo that is just art. All these Io Shirai taped promos are friggin' art, from the ones where she's literally drowning herself to prepare for a match, to this one where she's staring out over everything. We get lingering shots of her feet. I think this is all really great. Um, Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai um, seems like a placeholder type of a match for EO before she feuds with somebody who might actually win. But I have no doubt that this match to take over 30 is going to be great because we know Dakota Kai can work. And of course it's EO Shirai. So I think they're going to have a great match together. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And uh, also, you know, mentioning uh, Santos Escobar, his English, EO Shirai's English is very good as well. I think that she, uh, she articulates very well. And it's something where like, I remember like specifically kind of a, a good example that comes to mind is like when Shinsuke Nakamura came over from new Japan, um, some of his promo is kind of difficult to understand. Io Shirai is very clear in how she, uh, how she articulates stuff, which I think is going to help her out a lot. Um, and I think she's, I think Io Shirai is one of the best uh, female wrestlers in the entire world on, on any show right now. I, I really, really like her work. Um, Carlos, do you have anything to add um, for this Mia Yim and Indy Hartwell match? You know, it's Mia Yim getting the win. They're trying to tell a story of the, you know, her heart's not and everything, just like Alex was saying. But, you know, Indy Hartwell, she hasn't had much of a chance to shine. But it's one of those cases where you introduce some a woman from the Indies, probably lose every so often, and then later on you kind of just do, like, a soft reset, and then you're going to start building her up. I think it's one of those cases where... Indy is just she's gonna be on television every so often to lose, and then months down the road, once they kind of figure out what to do with her, then we're kind of going to see a a more serious push. I think going to this Io Shirai Dakota Kai thing, I I kind of view it as 
Dakota Kai maybe potentially lulling us into thinking she got rid of Raquel Gonzalez, and then just all of a sudden Raquel shows up at the, in the title match, and somehow that results in in Dakota Kai winning. I kind of see it like that could be an option that they're kind of lulling us into thinking that Dakota Kai is going to really go at this alone because it felt like it's a weird way to kind of write off Raquel Gonzalez out of this partnership with Dakota Kai to just, in a tape promo, just kind of ended when there was no friction, there was no dissension, there was nothing. It's It just came out of the blue, and the way I look at it is uh, kind of a bit of a red herring. It's where, you know, maybe maybe they may want us to think that that partnership's over, and then maybe it turns out that no, they've been cahoots this whole time, and Dakota Kai finds a way to cheat to win the title. So, yeah, a lot of options there. We'll see where that all heads. Um, another reminder, everybody, if you got a, a super chat, we'll make sure to prioritize your question, comment, statement right here on the air and uh, try to you know do a deep dive on that if it's a question. Um, this next match, I think, like, I love the actual matchup. Like, Damian Priest and Bronson Reed. Two big guys with very different builds, but two big guys. And this was a match with a result that I definitely didn't see coming. That's just me personally. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts here? What, what, did you, what did you think about Damian Priest taking on Bronson Reed and Bronson Reed getting the W? Um, I, I, I love this match. I think Bronson Reed has a really bright future if they decide to continue this push. Um, he's a he's a dark horse to win this this ladder match. I'll tell you, they decide they they showed in a, in a recent ladder match which will definitely be worse than the one we're going to see at Takeover Thirty. They're not afraid to give the, the to to win a ladder match with a fat guy. So you know, I mean, I I I'd, I'd much rather see um, Bronson Reed win that. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, this match was was great. These guys got to really hit each other hard. Um, there's a couple of things. What I what I loved most of all, my least favorite finish to WWE matches, aside from distraction finishes or disqualification finishes, is the high-risk maneuver, whoops, no water in the pool, oh, it's over. I hate those. They showed no imagination. Um, so uh, Bronson Reed going up, missing the splash, but still coming up with the victory because he thought enough to actually figure out a way to uh, to counter something into a roll-up, that's great. And because it's a roll-up, it can be classified as a fluke victory. So it hurts Damian Priest less. I know it, that's not actually true, but that's how they book shit. So if it was actually Bronson Reed hitting his finisher and getting that victory on Priest, it would it would be a different story than... Hey, Bronson Reed caught him with one. And, you know, and Priest is able to go, all right, okay, fine, but next time I'm going to get you. And then, you know, we might see this this rivalry develop out of this thing. If either one of these guys wins the ladder match, I could see the first feud being with this dude because I think that they work really well together. And you're right. They keep saying two behemoths. And these guys are both really big dudes, but they could not be built more differently. So I'm very interested to see two big guys that that – that work so well uh, together, two hosses that are uh, different breeds of hoss, let's say that. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You you uh, took the words right out of my mouth there. Carlos, any uh, any quick thoughts on that one? Anything as far as, like, were you surprised to see Bronson, we- Bronson Reed defeat Damian Priest tonight? 
Not at all. Not at all. Look, I've been such a big fan of Bronson Reed for the last few weeks. I think he is such an excellent worker. I think you can really, really tell WWE and NXT are really behind Bronson Reed. The more I think about it, and now that now that Alice kind of put that thought in my head, I really, really could see Bronson Reed win the North American title. And I honestly think, I don't think anyone would have much of an issue with it. Bronson Reed is a super heavyweight who can move pretty damn well for a guy his size. And we've seen, and I mean, he's not the first guy, uh, he's the first super heavyweight to move really, really well. And I think this is just another case of, of a guy who has for who is capable who has been putting on really really good matches someone who has gotten over not with promos but with his work rate and I can totally see Bronson Reed winning the title him beating Damian Priest doesn't surprise me at all I think it just further legitimizes how good Bronson Reed is because I think in in some way you kind of need to still legitimize Bronson Reed after the triple threat match cuz you know you can they can construe it as oh he's in this ladder match be by by sheer luck but no no he's a guy who earned his spot into this match and can hang with the best of them and he is he's so good he's so agile for someone his size uh, again, I can totally see him winning the North American title, and I would have absolutely no problem with it. Yeah, um, that's cool. I, I mean, I, I just figured they were kind of building Damian Priest more and more, but neither of you really seem surprised to see Bronson Reed get this win, which is pretty cool. I like that they're building someone new here because I do enjoy Bronson Reed's work as well. So, good stuff, something different. Which you know, I, I don't like. I, I never complain really about giving us something different, especially if it's good. Um, something we kind of already touched on. If you want to uh, just talk a little bit more about this, Alex, we had the next match, which was the Robert Stone brand. We talked about Mercedes Martinez a little bit. We had Ali in this match as well, who I remember from like the, uh, was it proving, what was that show on, uh, WWE network where she was, uh, um, proving grounds. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. So that, um, and, and she's, she's absolutely come a long way since that show. I can absolutely say that she is, she has definitely improved, uh, dramatically since, uh, since that WWE network show. Then you have, uh, Casey Catrazano and Caden Carter, the Robert Strome brand gets the win. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Alex? I know we talked a little bit about Mercedes Martinez earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, uh, this is a, a, a spot that, that it, again, I don't want to, it's hard to say this in this way. Um, I love that NXT gives women outside of the top echelon of women time to flourish in tag matches, mid-card stuff, whatever you, whatever have you. I love that NXT continues to use their women's division in this way. And at the same time, this match felt like it lasted a long time. Like it felt like it was it was a long match where 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 Katanzaro and Caden Carter were simply there to lose. They were there to lose the match so that Rhea Ripley could come out and challenge Mercedes Martinez. Like, that was that was the whole point. Um, so if that's the whole point, then you can just get to it, you know? Um, I, 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 do, I do agree. I, I think that Aaliyah and, and Mercedes Martinez work really well together. I think they were a, a cool little, um, like, a wheelbarrow, like, cutter thing that looked pretty sick. Um, that's great. Uh, 
Catanzaro's fun, a lot of fun to watch. She's got that like, flipping kick that she did to the back of uh, Martinez's head. Caden Carter's a, a ball of energy. I could absolutely see her like winding up on a SmackDown or Raw and getting a fun little run there, um, you know, something like that. But but NXT's just so deep. I don't know where where Catanzaro and Carter really fit in, except for teaming up in a match that they're obviously going to lose, which kind of sucks, but okay. And then the big deal is Rhea Ripley gets to come out um, and challenge uh, and, and, you know, go after Robert Stone's brand. Um, but the, the numbers game is too much for Rhea Ripley, which I don't love. I think she should be able to just, like, like scream in Aaliyah's face and she should run away. I think, like, that's the, def, the, def, the difference in those abilities. But I, I'm still in, in on her versus Mercedes Martinez. Shotzi gets to come in and play savior. So we're going to get a tag match next week. Um and that's fine. It, it really it really is just, it's so crazy to me that this is what we're at with Rhea Ripley. And if you told me that back in February, I would have been like, there's absolutely no way they could possibly squander this meteoric rise of, of Rhea Ripley and, and have her be in a, like, the fourth most important women's feud in, in match in, in the show. Like, where she's, like, again... It doesn't have to be. You could just say, Mercedes Martinez says, I want you, Rhea Ripley. You know why? Because I see a lot of young me in you, and that's a threat, and I want to squash that. And Rhea Ripley says, okay, you're on, Grandma. Let's go. And that that's it. You don't need all this Robert Stone bullshit. You just need two badass women wanting to fight each other. All the other stuff is just, just, it's just noise. It's just bullshit noise. So just let Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez have a great match or two or seven. Man, I could not agree with that more. Uh, Carlos, you know, when we get that showdown between Martinez and Rhea Ripley, and I agree with you, Alex, I can't believe Ripley's in the spot she's in now. Like, she seemed like she was being skyrocketed to being the next next big women's star uh, in the company. Um, Carlos, who do you think wins that? When that match goes down, their, their big, you know, first meeting, who do you think takes the win there? You know, for the sake of not not squandering further Rhea Ripley's descent from being the champion, having the best match at WrestleMania 36, to this point, I think you you, you kind of have to give Rhea Ripley the win. I, I I just cannot believe, like you guys mentioned, I just can't believe the descent Rhea Ripley has had. Right after we've had Triple H say... You know, especially well when she lost the title to Charlotte, especially with Triple H saying, "Oh, this will all make sense. All of this will make sense," and absolutely none of this makes sense. And you would think that, you know, after Rhea Ripley beat both, you know, um, Aaliyah and Robert Stone, it like literally having them both tap out. You would think that that would be the end of it, but no, you guys got to drag this on, drag this on. Like, fine, if you want to put this a Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley feud, fine. But, like, we don't need any more Robert Stone into this part. I think you there is a place and time for the Robert Stone rep because I think he's very, very good at what he does. But the whole point of Mercedes Martinez, like, of hiring Robert Stone is that so that you don't have this kind of BS into these, you know, into the actual wrestling part. Like, 
let Robertson handle the outside stuff and just have Mercedes out there and just kick ass. I think ultimately, I think the match between Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez is going to kick ass. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I really have not had much faith in the booking of Rhea Ripley ever since she lost the title to Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all on the same page there. Um, last, uh, oh, I've got another super chat. Uh, Justin Lopez, thank you very much again. Uh, you're the man. Uh, sends another super chat, says, I'm actually hoping Rhea wins the Battle Royal on SmackDown. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm with... I'm with anybody who thinks that Rhea Ripley should get a push. Like whatever they can do to try to rebuild her, to get her even close to where she was before all this is, is good with me. Cause I, she checks every box you would want out of a WWE superstar. So uh, I think she's, she's can't miss. They just need to, they need to get back on track with her. Um, the, uh, the main event of NXT was uh, the last match. Uh, of course, the main event was the last match. Oh, uh, we had, Kushida, Cameron Grimes, and the returning Velveteen Dream. Um, so Cameron Grimes gets the win here. Um, but, of course, the big story, of course, you know, big story being Cameron Grimes winning. But on, on top of that, Velveteen Dream's big return. Um, Alex, what did you think about the return of Dream just in general? And then, like, how do you think he came off in this match? And then, of course, you know, there was some stuff after the match as well. I, I um, was standing... Um standing watching the the show uh, waiting for to see who the big return was or debut or whatever crossover from raw or smackdown whatever they were going to do just to see who that was so i could run upstairs and kiss my daughter good night um and as soon as i saw it was dream i was like all right i'm out and i i, w- I was upstairs and I, I came back down and it was the commercial like i didn't even stick around to watch the thing because like Really? Really? Like, uh, I mean, we, we, we're doing this thing where we're, 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 we're now obligated because of the way that they've decided to handle it. We're obligated to have to watch Matt Riddle do stuff on Fridays. And that's oogie. It's just, it's just it doesn't, I don't know what happened and neither do you, but it doesn't feel good to like be positioned in a place where let's root for this. Hey, it's the happy stoner guy with no shoes. Let's root for him. Like, do I have to? I'd, I'd rather not. And this thing with, with Dream, like, he is an alleged pedophile. Like, I don't know what happened, and neither do you, but a lot of the stuff out there is not great. And and bringing him back at this point in this, this big return thing felt oogie and it did not i did not like it it, it kind of put me off on the whole thing um the is the good news if there is any is that he didn't win this match um and that they immediately turned him heel so we're not obligated to root for him we're supposed to dislike this guy um and that's good like he came out with i i guess the reverse hogan like he had a, he had he had blonde chin hair um as opposed to the blonde mustache um uh and he had they had the velvet jones hair like nice and silky and brushed back um so that's a good look to go for when you're when you're turning heel i suppose man kushida like look at how they massacred my boy 
Like they brought him over, and the booking with with Kushida has just been so weird. He's one of the greatest wrestlers to have ever lived, and I don't, I don't even, I like that. I don't, I don't think that's even for for debate. And and they brought him over here, and what? And what? And it's just, it's, it's so odd. The finish was fantastic with 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 Dream in the armbar, um, and and Grimes does the cave in to somehow both dudes, um, and gets the pin on Kushida. So Grimes gets to go on. Earlier in the night, they had everybody talking about what they were going to do um, with all this stuff because Gargano's got a match versus Ridge Holland next week, which Gargano's going to win. Um, spoiler alert. And then um, they have uh, Finn versus Velveteen Dream now, which honestly, I, I don't know. It seems like a Finn thing that Finn wins, and then Velveteen Dream slides even more into heelishness. Okay, fine. But you had a whole thing where you had... Bronson Reed win a match that had Gargano in it, which we didn't expect. And that's awesome. Great. Hey, this really is a tournament for newcomers. That's awesome. The next week, you got Dexter Loomis win a match that Finn Balor is in. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. Finn and Gargano both lose. This really is a tournament that's going to crown a new star. And then they're like, just kidding. Dexter Loomis has an ankle injury. And Finn and Johnny are in the match. And it's like... Oh, okay, I guess I don't get my my newcomers tournament, and that's fine because Gargano and Finn are, are great competitors. And if either one of them, maybe not Johnny, were to win the the North American title, I think it would be good for the for the for the brand. So fine, but it kind of sullies all the rest of it. Um, and and the Velveteen Dream thing is just, I don't know, man. I wasn't I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't prepared to see Dream on TV again. It just didn't. It doesn't, and, and this and the whole thing is that uh, there's a lot of reaction that I'm seeing that is if he's back on TV, that means he didn't do it, and that's bullshit. That's bullshit. You, no, I'm sorry. If you have that point of view, you need to really check yourself because that that ain't that ain't that's just not true. Like we don't. It's it's it means it means they decided to not do anything about it, and that's a big difference. So we'll see what they're doing with Dream, but I, I was not pleased to see him on my TV um, tonight. Yeah, I, I know you weren't alone in that, in those thoughts. Um, I was actually watching the show with a friend of mine uh, who was over here. Uh, buddy comes over that watches AEW and NXT with me every week, and he kind of said the same kind of stuff, to be honest. Like, while we were watching the show, he felt kind of uncomfortable seeing him come out and stuff. And, um, and yeah, so we'll see where that all goes. Um, Cameron Grimes getting the win. Uh, is huge for for Grimes, although his hat is incredibly stupid. I think uh, mm. I think you guys probably hear that a lot on Wednesdays here. But uh, yep. his his, uh, his hat I think is very stupid. Um, but uh, but Carlos, what, you got any thoughts on this one, man? What do you think about uh, what do you think about Velveteen's return, and what do you think about Cameron Grimes getting the win here as we kind of wrap this up? Before I uh, discuss really quickly about uh, Cameron Grimes and Velveteen Dream, remember when Kushida. One of the greatest IWGP junior heavyweight champions in history. One of the greatest junior heavyweight wrestlers in history, in my opinion. First signed to WWE, and we all thought this was going to be a massive a massive get. Pepper, Pepperidge Farm remembers. I mean, it's it, this run has been a bit of a waste. I, you know, and, and I hate saying that, but, like, there's... 
Kushida hasn't really done anything to show for it in his entire run in, in WWE. And it, it, it's sad. Uh, about Velveteen Dream, look, I don't know what happened. I, I'm not going to comment any further than I don't know what happened. You know, stuff is being said. Stuff is being thrown around. All I know is when I first saw Velveteen Dream back on TV, I like Alex, I too felt a little little icky, a little unsure and uncomfortable over this. And and now with the same way when Sammy Guevara returned, I wasn't sure about uh, about seeing him on my TV screen so relatively soon after everything that happened. But as far as Cameron Grimes winning, uh, look, as a, this is a guy who despite kind of being in that position where he'll occasionally get the fluke win over a guy who is clearly his superior, he'll he'll just be around, lose every so, lose every so often against better guys. And, you know, I would have loved to see Kushida. I think the match would have been a lot better with Kushida in it. The way I look at it is, like, Cameron Grimes is just going to be a body in that ladder match. I mean, like, I don't know about you guys. I really don't see much of a scenario in which Cameron Grimes wins the North American title. And I, and I get it. You don't, you technically don't have to have him, have him pin anyone or submit anyone. And you, they, they can always swerve us into thinking, into getting us Cameron Grimes winning. I just don't see it happening ever. So it's like, like, you could have made the match so much more interesting with Kushida in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that, that, that what I look at is it's a multi-man ladder match. Who's going to do what spot? And absolutely, Cameron Grimes is going to do a cave into some dude on a ladder. And it's going to look like the most brutal shit ever. And then he's probably going to um, climb to the top and get pushed off and do a crazy stunt to the... He's, he's going to take some of the worst bumps because they got some big dudes in this thing that aren't going to take the worst bumps. Like, Bronson Reed's not falling off a ladder two stories high onto the floor. That ain't that ain't happening. Um, he can still fall away to China. Like, <laughs> like, Cameron Grimes is the guy who's doing that spot. So they need those guys in the match, and I understand that. And yes, I, I, want, I want to see Kushida win this match. I want to see Kushida become North American title, uh, title holder. I want to see that too. But they're they're not giving us any reason. Like he came out, he was part of the cruiserweight title thing. He willingly gave up his his shot at the at the cruiserweight championship match to Drake Maverick, saying, "You go ahead, you win, because I believe in you." And then we didn't see him for like two months, and he came back for this for this for this one triple threat match, and then he loses that. And I guess I maybe if if Dream loses next week to Finn Balor then Dream versus Kushida is in a feud. And I think Kushida loses that feud too because they want to push Dream as a, as, as a top heel. And that's also not good for a myriad of reasons. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. That's uh, interesting times in NXT, but I am looking forward to that ladder match. I was there live in, a, I think it was New Orleans when they had that ladder match to crown the first yeah. North American champion. And, uh, and that match was incredible. And that was on the same show as Gargano and Champa. And I think that, like, both matches stood, like, neck and neck as, like, some of the best wrestling I've ever seen live. So I have high expectations for uh, for these ladder matches. And I think, I mean, they're putting the right people in there to deliver something really good. So, um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens. 
Um, well, guys, we made it. We made it to the end of the show. Um, thank every thank you to everybody who's who's been joining us in the chat. Everyone who's been watching. Uh, and I take full responsibility for the audio issues we were having throughout the show. I think we got it. We got them nailed down there towards the middle. But uh, thank you all for sticking around, and thank you, Alex and Carlos, uh, for sticking with me as well throughout that. We uh, figured it out on the fly. So, so thanks, guys. Um, before we get out of here, uh, starting with you, Alex. Please let everyone know where they can find you, follow you, all that good stuff. You can follow me at Alex Sour Graps on the Twitter. Uh, I do uh, Sour Graps on Fightful Select, uh, on the lowest tier of Fightful Select. So for $5 a month, if the only thing that you do is listen to Sour Graps twice a week, you're paying like $0.82 cents an episode. It's a steal at twice the price. Carlos, what about you? What you got going on, man? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Carlos360. I got my own YouTube channel. If you're into boxing, I got my YouTube channel where I post interviews and podcasts about boxing at Carlos Toro Media. And I will post the occasional uh, wrestling interview. Just very recently, I spoke to Rocky Romero, and we talked about exploding barbed wire matches and him wanting to do one with John Moxley. Good deal, man. Good deal. Um... If you want to follow me, my Twitter is fighttalk underscore. That's F I G H T T A L K underscore. I, along with Alex, uh, do a podcast on Fightful Select. So, uh, like he was saying, that's the great thing about Fightful Select is you spend very little money. And even if you're doing it just to get exclusive content, if you're doing it to get news, whatever podcasts, um, I'd say it all the time. I think Alex's show is worth the price of Fightful Select on its own. So then, uh, once you have that, everything beyond that is just a bonus. Um, and I mean, for those of us who are part of Fightful Select and subscribe, we actually had some news ahead of time about NXT and some stuff that was maybe happening before it even happened and stuff. So, um, I, that, that, I honestly think that's, uh, that's a great thing to be a part of Fightful Select, um, being a part of it with you, Alex, being a part of the Fightful family along with you, Carlos as well. And, um, and that is the most direct way that you can support Fightful is by subscribing at Fightful Select. Um, I promise everybody um, we will have the audio issues 100% completely fixed by the next episode and we will see you next time. You guys have a good one and uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.